today on the Connecting Our Stories podcast, I'm having a conversation with my friend Rachel. Rachel and I have known each other for years, but it's only been recently that we've had the opportunity to work closely together. She's a new member of the Stories team, and I'm really grateful for her addition as she is going into homes and doing awareness events for us. So if you're looking for someone to help you learn more about why we have human trafficking, what it looks like, and what you can do, let us know. Rachel's your girl. I'm excited for what Rachel's partnership with Stories means for now and for the future. Rachel has a background in anti-pornography work, and she even started a makeup business to help out those who are victims and survivors of trafficking and exploitation. She's pretty cool, I have to say. We talk all things human trafficking, all things journey, all things purpose, and I think my big takeaway from our conversation is that we have to just keep taking the next step in front of us. So if you're on a journey and you are needing some encouragement, I know that you're going to be encouraged by today's episode. Your story matters. Let's take a listen. So happy to have you here, Rachel, on the Connecting Our Stories podcast. Could you just start by saying who you are and what you do? Yes, I am Rachel Ferkus, and I do the events and awareness for stories. So fun. I love it. Yay. (laughs) I love it too. I just wanted to have you on here so we could chat about what your story is and how you ended up in the anti-trafficking space and how you ended up here, how we know each other. Uh, I think it's fun to see how our stories connect and the value that we can bring to the stories of injustice. And I think your story is valuable and just wanted to chat about it. Yeah, it's a long story, but I'm going to like shorten it a bunch. Um, I have been doing anti-trafficking work for over 10 years. And I started um, in Chicago and helped with a music video. And that's how I found out about it. I didn't know anything about it. And I helped um, on the back end of creating a music video that was um, a hip hop artist that the story was about human trafficking. And it was it was shot in my neighborhood. And I was like, is this this isn't real. There's no way this is real. Like, it doesn't happen here. Like, of course, it happens everywhere else. It doesn't in happen Minnesota, here. In, the, in a neighborhood here? In no, in Chicago. In Chicago. In Chicago. Did I miss that part? Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and so when I was there, I while we were working there, there was there was women coming in and out of the motel rooms and they were working. And I walked away from the situation thinking, I need to learn about this. Like clearly I don't know what's going on and I need to know that's kind of just how I am. And I learned so much about it. I learned about um, how it was happening in the United States at that time, specifically Chicago. And from there, I um, volunteered with an organization um, and they were more in the anti-pornography world, um, but they were branching out and decided to move to Vegas. And so I went with them and I volunteered doing whatever it was I could do because I knew that I it would be, had become my passion in an extreme way. I'm very, justice runs in my blood and I... I can't sit back and know something's happening and not do anything about it. Um, And I knew it affected more people than I thought it did at first. And so, um, yeah, I 
would go into brothels and strip clubs and porn conventions. And at that time, I didn't know what I was doing as far as like, what, what am I offering to this injustice? And at that time, it was just becoming friends and um, just being an ear for women or whatever it was. But I learned that makeup was a big part of you know their industry. And so I decided to become a makeup artist and use that as a tool to offer something that made sense um, and offer something that I could talk with them. You know, it's, I mean, you're doing makeup, it's in your face. It's, um, you can't intimate. really, yeah, it's very intimate. You can't really get away from the person. And I figured if I'm putting makeup on your face, I might as well, you know, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity to talk. So that's what I did. And I went into all those places and it was the best experience of my life. I, it became my heart and I, um, that's where I love to be. I love to be in it and in front of people that are, um, that are being exploited. And yeah, so from there, um, I moved back to Minnesota, which is where I, well, I'm from Wisconsin. Um, but I moved back where my family was here in Minnesota and I, came back and I had actually, the reason I moved back was because of a divorce. So I didn't know where my place was anymore. I came back and I was like, man, I, um, I'm by myself. I mean, I had family, but I just didn't know what I was going to do. And so I started working in a clinique and, um, started doing makeup on women. And I would sit there and tell my story to them, like share with, with these women that were just trying to get some, probably not even trying to get makeup. They were probably just trying to get their free makeover. Yeah, their free makeover or just like, <laughs> I just came in for a lotion, but I'm like, I'll give you makeup, whatever. So, so yeah, I would sit there and I would share my story. They'd ask about my tattoos and, um, I have a tattoo of a barcode that, um, actually spells out the girl's name from the music video I worked on. And so, from there, they they would just sit there and they would start crying. And I'm like, well, this isn't very good for Clinique, but it's awesome for me because I love that. Like I loved sharing my story and, and it impacting people because they had no idea, you know, sitting in a in Macy's or wherever um, and not knowing that it happened in their own city, in their own town, in their own neighborhood. And I was like, oh no, it does. Like I was so intense on making sure people know that it happens mm -hmm. here, no matter where you are in the United States, it happens. And from there, I decided just to start my own makeup line, which I don't really know why I, <laughs> people are like, how'd you do that? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I had some awesome friends at the time that helped me and um, I knew makeup was a way for me before to get in with different things. And I started that and did that for a while. And, um, now I guess in the last few years, I've been doing stuff, um, on the streets of Minneapolis, um, and just going out and loving people. I think that's for me, that's what that means. Like being on the front lines for me was I got to give needs that were needed, like food and toiletries and things like that. And, and share hope with them, whether they, you know, could accept it in that moment or not. It was, you know, my, my way of knowing that I was doing something. It's not my job to save them. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's my job to give them hope mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. it may be, uh, you know, dangerous at times where people are like, well, now I have kids. I'm a single mom with three kids and people are like, you know, what about your kids? Like, what if it's dangerous? I'm like, it is dangerous, but like, mm -hmm. these are somebody else's kids. Like with, I'm not doing it then, you know, yeah. there, you know, there's more people saying no than saying yes. And not that everybody has to do that. Cause it's not, you know, everybody's 
you know, space, space to be in. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I don't know if that. Yeah. So back up and tell us for those who don't understand, you learned about trafficking and you started with an anti-pornography organization. Talk about how that's connected, how pornography and trafficking are connected. Sure. Um, at the time, I don't think I knew as much until I went to Vegas of how much it was connected. Um, that's a deep question because I feel like I've seen, um, I've seen people addicted to pornography and I see how that affects, um, every aspect of their life. And, um, when I would meet women in the, in the, um, the porn conventions, I would hear their story and I would say, you know, tell me, and you know, that's a hard space to be in to share a story, but some women were very open and Mm -hmm. they would tell me, you know, I, I started doing this when I was young and then it became something that um, was very hard to get out of because, you know, where do you go from there? Where's that's on my resume? Like, that's what I, what did, you know, you show up Mm -hmm. to a job interview. What did you do before I was a porn star? Like, Mm -hmm. that's not something you can, you know, and that's not usually like a great, no. Oh, hired. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. And there, I mean, there was people that like, I remember this specific woman, side note, there was a specific woman that, that, um, I was asking and she was like, yeah, well, I tried, I have girls, I have kids and I tried to be a teacher and I, um, was going to be hired, but a father recognized me and they didn't hire me. And I'm like, time out. How does that make sense? Like that's backwards. Right. But Mm -hmm. anyways, so, I mean, there was a lot of that where it's like, where do you go from there? And I think a lot of people think you choose that, but there comes a point where it's like, you're, you know, it's like the choice is taken away from you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and from there it gets deeper. I mean, you know, pornography is such a big, there's lots of different things within, within that space. And, um, a lot of it gets sold, you know, on the internet. And I mean, the connection is like all in so many different ways it's connected because, you know, either people aren't knowing that it's getting sold or, um, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's exploitation. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what first broke your heart about trafficking? What? ignited that passion because really it changed the trajectory of your life learning about trafficking so what was that that made you go to Vegas that made you so passionate sure um what made me so I you know I think it was mostly just knowing something existed and like learning something existed that for so long has been going on yeah that nobody knows about and I think that was it was like wait a second, people don't know about this. That's not fair. Like Mm -hmm. that's not, I'm not okay with that because if this is really happening as big as they're saying it is, and that was a long time ago, like it's, we know a lot more now than we did back then. Right. And so then it was, that was, that was it. I needed people to know and I needed to, I wasn't sure at the time, but I needed to know, like to know how to help. I needed to know what to do. And again, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know what that would look like, but I jumped in you know, doing whatever it was and then found, you know, with this organization. And then I found what I, what I contribute and what that looked like for me personally, because it looks different for everyone. Yeah. So there are a lot of people that I know I encounter and I'm, I know you do too, that say, I want to help. I don't, and they like want us to tell them. I get that a lot. People are like, tell me what I can do. And I, I kind of want to say, well, I can't tell you what you can do. I can tell you what I'm doing and I can tell you, you know, Maybe you can join us, but I think that is a journey that people have to just start somewhere and you're not going to know right away what your space is. And I know for me, 
it's actually taken a lot of years of just entering into the spaces of injustice and being willing to sit and listen and allow what I'm learning to change me. And then just to take the next step and the next step to figure out what I can do. And I hear that in your story too. Yeah. I mean, there's not, not everybody is going to want to go on the streets like I do. I wouldn't expect that because Mm -hmm. there's, you know, I mean, there's so many things. There's our, our giftings are so unique. And I mean, even working with you, we have very different giftings. Mm -hmm. Sure. We can try and do the same things, but it doesn't always work out that way because I'm not gifted in the same way you're gifted. And I shouldn't be because, you know, we're supposed to be doing this together. And if we can do this together, then we're going to hit and do more. Yes. We're going to do more. And we don't all need to be doing the same thing, but we can, we can encourage each other to keep going in what everyone's lane is. Mm -hmm. And you know, come back into our own lane and and do our part. And it is about just putting, just making that next choice. And whether you know what it's going to look like or not, it's about just doing it. Just do it. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, try something else. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It won't be perfect. It definitely won't be. Ever. No. None of the journey will be perfect. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Okay, so let's talk about today and what ignites your heart when you think about fighting against injustice of exploitation and trafficking, what do you really see as a unique way that your purpose to uh, change, change this story of trafficking and exploitation in our world? Um, I think now it looks different than it did when I started. And even throughout my whole journey, I think it's changed a lot because now I have kids. And I think that um, makes it very different for me this time around like this, this part of it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I want, one of the things is I want my kids to see that I want them to know that they can, whatever it is, whatever part they, um, are going to play that that's good. And that's what they should be doing. And I, I want to be that example for my kids and I want to be that example for other people. Um, and right now I think, you know, in this season, it's, I have, I haven't had the opportunity, I guess, to, or I haven't taken the opportunity to collaborate with other people. And I think that's so, so important. And I've enjoyed that so much in this journey because I realized that, yes, my space is in out there, right? Like on the street, whatever that looks like. Um, but it's also stepping back and saying, okay, what, what are you guys doing out here mm-hmm. that I can, that I can add to mm-hmm. and how, what are you doing that you can add to what I'm doing? And I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's my space is collaborating with people so that, you know, I'm able to go out on the street because I can't do it alone. I don't want to do it alone. I can't do it alone. And, um, yeah. And within stories, it's, it's being a voice. Um, I have a voice and sometimes it's scary to get out there and and speak about it. But once I start doing it, I'm like, Nope, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is, this is the passion that I have. And I, I love talking about it because I just, I want, so badly um for people to feel what I feel but in their own sense yeah like I just want them I want to see it on their face and I get to see that on their face when I talk and when they start asking questions and you know with the events that we do with stories and the dinners like you can like I know that you know probably Mm -hmm. when you start to see people's faces you're like like, yes yes that's it like I know Mm -hmm. you you're your heart just broke yes And I think that's so, like, I love that. I'm so grateful that I get that opportunity Mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. I didn't know that you worked at Clinique, first of all. And second of all, I love that you told 
like used as a platform for trafficking awareness. It was probably, I probably would have gotten in trouble, but that's my favorite thing. So talk a little bit how you're, that was like training, you know, for what you do now. So talk a little bit about how you've entered in to stories and what your space has kind of been. Um, Yeah. I feel like we've known each other for so long. We have. And then just a few months ago, this all started um, and collaborating started, which is great. And now I'm doing events and what that looks like is someone hosts um, an event at their house and we bring food, appetizers, wonderful cheese and all the the good stuff that everyone loves. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I have a friend that her, she, another collaboration that was able to happen was that she makes jewelry Mm -hmm. and um, she brings that part of things and we make um, two pieces of jewelry and one is to take home and one is for us um, as stories to sell in the store and then I speak about you know my story and I guess it kind of depends I kind of change it up in different settings Um, but yeah just awareness and what this looks like and the different kinds of trafficking and you know a lot of different things but yeah yeah what do you what would you say to somebody who is surprised that trafficking happens or doesn't understand how it connects to our lives here, raising our kids, mostly in the suburbs, mm-hmm. you know, doing the thing. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I just had a conversation that somebody was, I, I guess I never expect that to happen because yeah. I'm so used to being in it. Mm-hmm. That one of my really good friends was like, wait, that happens like in whatever town he was from. And I'm like, Yes, it does. And I can't believe as your friend, like I felt like that I had failed. Like I, I felt like I had failed at that moment. But I know that's not what it is because everybody has to see it in their own, you know. And a lot lens. of sometimes we have to hear something mm-hmm. a lot of times yeah. for it to actually sink into our brains. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I can't remember your question because I had that story. Oh, about that it happens here. What would you say to oh, someone? Sure. What did that's I say? Surprise. Yeah. What I mean, it's yeah. hard for me to be like, what? But that's yeah. not, I mean, because because it's so um to me I say it because I'm so used to it, but it's not. It's so hidden that it is hard to see. And it is, you know, there are blatant ways of seeing it. But I guess for me, I would just if somebody didn't know, I would I would encourage them to number one, go learn for themselves. Like I'm not I don't need to sit here and give you facts, but go learn for yourself of your own state your own town and see what's already happened or what is happening and then um and then just see what it does to your heart I don't know if that like it sounds really deep but that's what it is like know what it is learn what it is listen to what it is and then do whatever that whatever feeling you get from all of Mm -hmm. that then then you get to decide what you're going to do with that Mm -hmm. and you know, with having kids and just having families and what does that look like in our families? Like, are we, how are we raising them to be, to honor themselves, honor each other, um, us honoring them? Like, what does that look like in our families? And yeah, I think it, it starts there yeah. um, because there's so many vulnerabilities. I mean, I've, my, my kids are vulnerable because I'm a single parent, but I, one of the things I talk about is that I, because of the way that I get to raise my kids and because I have a support system that it's different for me and I'm grateful for that. Um, I, you know, technically they'd be vulnerable cause they, you know, a mm-hmm. single parent home or whatever, but 
the the support system is so very valuable and supporting others outside that you know um, that are in vulnerable situations um, where you don't know whatever whatever it is is so valuable and that's that's why I am, am able to um, do so well is because I have the support system right. and if I didn't I would be it would be really hard. really 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 hard yeah. and um, so now that I've been there and know what that looks like and the vulnerability mm-hmm. there. Um, it's helped me see it even more different. Like yeah. even as time goes on, there's always something that I'm learning and I think it's so valuable to continue to learn and not think you know, you know, and mm-hmm. because we need to always be learning from people. Yeah. Vulnerabilities are a re- like the reason, I would mm-hmm. say, why we have trafficking and yeah. exploitation. Mm-hmm. Everybody has vulnerabilities. And I think what you just said is the difference, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You have people that come alongside you in your vulnerabilities yeah. and people who are more likely to be exploited they don't have those people. Right. I yeah. just watched that Jeffrey Epstein documentary on oh, Netflix. Yeah. Good Listen to a podcast about that one. And I, he, they said it over and over and over again that Jeffrey Epstein was skilled at spotting the vulnerability mm-hmm. and then exploiting it. And that is trafficking yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in its essence. Right. So I think, and then I think what you said too, I remember... In my early, when I was still at the beginning of this anti-trafficking journey, we went on a road trip to Florida. And all of us, because of everything I've been learning, all of a sudden my eyes, it's like I got a new vision about the world. And almost all of a sudden I saw the billboards different. And I saw, you know, we would pass for sure strip clubs. And all, all of a sudden everything, my eyes were just opened. It's like what you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And then it's everywhere. And yeah. I think... Once you become aware and you do that internal work, all of a sudden you're going to see vulnerabilities everywhere. You're going to see exploitation everywhere. You're going to see all of that. Yeah. It's like you see that the world, we're just, we've created this environment where of course there's human trafficking. Right. Whereas before you were like, what, there's human trafficking? Now it's like, well, duh, there's human right. trafficking. Right. Yeah. 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 And then the next step is like doing something about it. I think right. that's where people get so stuck. Mm-hmm which is understandable because it feels so big and it feels so ugly and um, like you can't do anything about it, but there really is. And I think that's enough. I would just encourage whoever, if you're first learning about it, if you've known about it for a long time, always do the work to, you know, figure out what you can do and always learn. And then internal work Mm -hmm. is a lot. It's hard work, Mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how has your life been impacted positively? And and even those who have come in contact with you been in, impacted positively because you've chosen to enter the space? Because I think once we learn about injustice, we all have a choice, just like what we said. We can either kind of go back to our little safe holes right. and like pretend that we didn't learn, mm-hmm. or we have to enter in. I don't think you can live in the in-between very long. Mm-hmm. I think you have to either keep pushing forward into the injustice or you retreat. So you made the choice to enter in and you've made the choice over and over again. Cause I do think, you know, it's for easy. myself, oh, yeah. you could, there are a lot of times where I'm like, why am I still doing this? I could have done that numerous yet. times. Yes. And yo, totally. Yeah. And there's a lot of excuses, you know, kids are a great excuse yes, to quit <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> right. Yes. So, um, so how looking back on your story and yeah. your journey, how has your life been impacted positively or how have you seen the world change around you because of your choice? Yeah, I think 
Um, perspective is such a big thing. And I think people's stories um, make the perspective so different. And when you enter into somebody's story or watch somebody's story or they're, you know, you're told their story, it's so valuable. And it, and it makes me have more grace. It makes me have more love. It gives reasons for why people do what they do. It's not because they're horrible people. It's not, you know, I mean, there's reason on both sides. Like I've had to look at that on both sides of, you know, people addicted to pornography. Why have they chose, like, where, where's your story in that? And I think, I think that's, that's it for me is perspective on people's lives. And, um, it gives value to everyone and it gives value to me, even though I have, I do have a a hard story. Mm -hmm. I have very good parts of my story and very hard parts, but it gives me value because I know that I was created for good things and everyone has been created for good things. And so I just, I see it that way. I don't know. I'm, I, I love, I am, I'm very positive about, you know, and hopeful about these things. And at the same time, it's super hard, but I, I, I don't know. I just think that um, perspective is such a big thing for me. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but yeah. um, that's what it's done. It's given me so much of that and so much love for people mm-hmm. and people's stories. And yeah. Well, and how you started was by listening to the stories of women. Right. Yeah. That's where you started. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something about it when people talk about their own story that you just see their, when you're really listening to them, you see that's all the, the things. You that's see it right the there. Really listening. Yes. Yeah. Because you can listen and be like, oh, well, they, you know, chose that or they, whatever it is. And I just, when you listen, it, you can see it on their face. You can feel that emotion. I do. And I, that's it. It's just seeing people for who they really are and who they've been created to be um, is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And creating a space for them to know that, to mm-hmm. know that who yeah. they are and who they were created to be is so important, no matter what choices they may have made or what choices have been made for them. Um, There's always hope. Always. There's always hope and it may not feel like it. I know what that feels like, right? We have, we all have moments of not knowing if there's hope for whatever is coming, but there is, there's always hope. And yeah, yeah, I I want to share that with people. So you talked about in recent history, you've, been down in Minneapolis doing outreach. But when we talk about this idea of valuing people's stories and hope, I feel like I want people to see the people around them, even if they're not in downtown Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And just talk about that. Talk about the people that are hidden in our communities who are hurting, abused, vulnerable, and what we can do just starting even today. What can we do starting today? to start to fight against this culture of exploitation of trafficking. If you and I look at our communities, we see trafficking everywhere. How do we help people start to change that culture that surrounds us? Um, I think it's, well, I think it starts simple within your own family, but I think it, when you look out in your community and you're not looking to like the inner city or like specific, you don't live there don't look there right, right. now. Well, because like, sometimes start... I think we can excuse ourselves out of the situation yeah. because we say, oh, well, that's not, I'm not going to go to the inner city or I don't work for a nonprofit or like we give ourselves excuses right. to just stay comfortable or safe or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, right. but that's not true. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just looking at your community, what is it, you know, there's, 
clearly different spaces in our community that look different, that different stores, different whatever it is. And I think it's just noticing, noticing mm-hmm. people in front of you. And I think that sounds so simple, but when you really, when you go to the store, so I have a store, a grocery store by me and a lot of different people go into the store. My community is like, maybe my block isn't super diverse, mm-hmm. but the community around me is very diverse. And so I walk in and just seeing people, like, I think there's something different about when you see somebody for not who they are, because I don't really know them, but, you know, seeing them, just seeing them, looking like in their eyes, yes. looking in people's eyes, looking like that gives people value. I know mm-hmm. that sounds so small, but it doesn't. It's not. It's it's knowing, like being able to look at somebody and with your eyes and a smile and saying, I see you right now. I see you yeah. or, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, there's so many opportunities going into a grocery store. There's so many opportunities. It's like true. how many how many people do you see struggling with their kid or like Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's so much to be said about about just seeing people and present in the moment yeah Yeah. and I think it really does start that small and you don't have to go out and do all the big things yet Mm -hmm. would I encourage you later maybe yeah find your space there later but start there because it's not easy I mean I still practice it Mm -hmm. and I you know my job is to teach my kids that see people for who they are see people as different than you and that's good and celebrate that difference um and yeah I would just start I would start simple it's not it's not hard at first I mean it's hard to like internalize everything but it's not hard to see people once you really try because you want everybody wants that too right you want to be seen that's a thing like we all want to be seen and if you can start doing that or if we can start doing that um it will change things it will change the way people view each other and I think it starts small like that even we were just talking before we recorded about next steps for stories and then next steps for us but then we like pulled it back we're both like visionaries Mm -hmm. and go-getters and all in and we pulled it back and said one step at a time and so we don't I think I want to encourage people that there's no point of arrival Mm -hmm. you don't all of a sudden like become this perfect person that I like Wonder Woman in the movies like fighting for justice and you don't ever reach that we're we're all on a journey and we're all just one step at a time Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, constantly learning from other people. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's good. So good. Well, this has been great. Yay. I'm so glad. I think we'll do this again. That sounds great. Okay. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs>Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in to this conversation with Steph and Rachel. Their passion to stand in the gap for the vulnerable and be a voice for justice is inspiring, isn't it? Two everyday women who one day decided to each take the first step on this path and wound up down the road together, connecting their stories for greater impact. If you have been inspired by the stories shared here and want to bring this awareness to your community, we have a next step for you. Host a Storyteller Awareness Night or make and take event in your home. As the host, all you have to do is invite your guests and Stories Foundation will do the rest. Rachel will come and share some of her story, give a Human Trafficking 101 presentation, and provide opportunities to take further action. For more information on hosting and booking an event, contact us at storiesfoundation at gmail.com or visit our website listed in the show notes. You can also join us in this work by becoming a patron in support of Connecting Our Stories podcast. By subscribing at any monthly level, you are helping us further the mission of standing in the gap and being a voice. Visit 
patreon.com slash connecting our stories to pick your monthly level and join. Thanks for listening to this episode of Connecting Our Stories podcast. We believe every story has value and your story matters in the fight against injustice.